Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So next Sunday we are here. And it's the last Sunday that we're going to be here. And we're going to make it a special service. We're going to call it a memorial service. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a bit more about that in a little bit. Because it's actually a biblical term. There's, there's a memorial where, where people, as they crossed over the Jordan into the Promised Land, they put a memorial. As Jacob moved through Bethel, he put a memorial. There's memorials throughout the Bible. We're going to make next Sunday a memorial, which is not just for us to remember, but it actually makes something happen in heaven where God's power is released. And so next Sunday is going to be a significant service. Praise and worship, a special gift offering day. And uh, just prayer, something special happening next Sunday, memorial service. The Sunday after that, Ian McCormack, the opportunity to have this guy. You know, he's an amazing evangelist that's traveled around the world. Then the week after that, Leading Lights Conference. Friends, I'm so excited about this. You know, this Leading Lights thing, there's a, there's a brochure on your, on your chair. Please read it. It's something significant. The Lord has given us a tiny church in Jersey. Jersey, a tiny island in the world. He's given us the opportunity to help people in India, the Middle East, China, Africa, Europe, South America, everywhere in the world. We can help people plant churches. How, how amazing is that? Never in the history of the world has a little church like ours had the opportunity to help people somewhere on the other side of the world plant churches. And we can do it. The website's there. It's up and running. I've had people from China. He's actually a, a Chinese guy living in America. He says this website is the most amazing thing. Pastors in Scotland have said, wow, this is incredible. One of the other pastors on, on the island of Jersey, I gave him a login detail. He said, this is a fantastic website. There's something amazing that we've been had the privilege of doing. And you guys have paid for it. Praise God for you. But we've got this tool now, and now we just need to get it out to the nations. And this, this, this conference is all about that. We don't talk about it a lot in church, Leading Lights, but the conference on the 17th to the 19th of July is where we really hit it. And on the Friday night, we're going to have lots of flags of all the nations of the world. Everyone's going to get as many flags as they want of different countries to pray. We're getting leaders from all the churches up the front and I'm going to invite some politicians as well. And we're going to pray as Jersey for the nations. And I don't think that's ever been done in Jersey before. Something significant is going to happen. You know, there's a prophet called Mike Hanchett in America who's well recognized around the world. He said to Rob McFarlane, who's coming to our conference, he said, The Lord has shown me there's a whirlwind that's going to start in Jersey on the 17th of July. He said it's going to go around the world. What are you guys doing? And then we go to our new venue. It's just such an exciting time. So please be excited and be involved in everything that we're doing. So we've been doing a series called Wholehearted, talking about David. And I want to bring that series to a close today. We've talked about David and his relationships with authority. We've talked about him repenting from sin. We've talked about him worshiping God and various other things and all of that's been wonderful and today I want to close off by showing you the result of being wholehearted in David's life his heart was made healed and whole he became enthusiastic and there's just this most amazing story so follow me there's quite a lot of Bible reading 
but it starts in 2 Samuel 7, which is the chapter after the one that James read last week, where David just becomes undignified in the presence of the Lord. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass, when King David was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. So David was in a place of blessedness. He was so blessed. He had everything he needed. All his enemies were subdued. God had been good to him. He had everything from God, full of blessings. And he said, what I want to do now is I want to make a place for God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant, to dwell. I want to build a house for God. I want to build a memorial for God, a place that will last forever. Then Nathan said to the king, go and do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone. I've cut off all your enemies from before you. I've made you a great name, like the name of the great men who were on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and, and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. <laughs> I just love God. <laughs> David wants to build God a house and God says, no, no, you don't get it. I'm going to make you a house. And David thought he had a house. But God was talking about so much more. Something eternal. Something spiritual. A legacy. Let's read on. Verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the, bows of the, son, with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So basically God says to David, you want to build me a house that's good? Well done. But you're not the one. Your son is going to build it. But I am going to build you a legacy for your household, for your children and the Messiah. All nations actually will come out of you. And David is just blown away. He, he responds like this in verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. And you've also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? 
Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation? And he goes on and on just to say how good God is and how good God has been to him. His heart is overflowing. He's so full of gratitude. And I want to talk today about David and how the money, the treasure that God had given him was given to God and therefore his heart was whole. Because I know Christians who are whole in many areas of their lives, but the area of finances and material possessions is still a sticking point and because of it, their heart is not whole. So let's look at uh, 1 Chronicles 29, where Solomon now gets ready to build the temple. So Solomon, David's son, has grown up and he's getting ready to build the temple. Remember, God said to David, you're not going to build it. Your son will. Furthermore, King David said to all the, the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced and the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the house of my God, listen to what David says, I have prepared with all my might. Gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, bronze for the things of bronze, iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, onyx, stones, uh, glistening stones, precious stones, marble slabs in abundance. So David, out of his royal resources, out of the resources of the country, he's provided a lot of stuff. Verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. So not only did David take from the national treasure, his own treasure he took. And listen to what verse 4 says. 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, which is the best type of gold, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses, the gold for the things of gold, etc., etc., um, Verse 6, then the leaders of the father's houses, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and of hundreds and officers over the king's work offered willingly. They gave for the work of the house of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, 100,000 talents of iron. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury. Uh, verse 9, then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. And then the last verse of that chapter, sorry, verse 20 of that chapter says, Then David said to all the assembly, Now bless the Lord your God. So all the assembly blessed the Lord God of their fathers and bowed their heads and prostrated themselves before the Lord and the King. That amount that David gave was so enormous that most Bible commentators think there must be a mistake. They say he couldn't have given that much. In today's money, it was worth billions of pounds. Billions. He gave so much, and the people gave so much, much more than was required to build a building. Why? Because it was a heart issue. 
because God had got hold of David's heart and it wasn't coming out of a place of I need, I want, I must have. It was coming for David out of a place of look how blessed I am. Look how blessed I have been. And so treasure, his, his heart's treasure was with the Lord's house and not with his own house. Can you see that? You see, David was wholehearted. God said, I want a man after my own heart. David was a man after God's own heart because there was nothing at the end of his life that was dividing his affection. Where your treasure is, your heart will be. God, God had moved so much in David's heart that his treasure was with God's house and he gave. In another place, David says, I will not offer what costs me nothing. He was going to buy a, a, something for the, for the Lord's work. And the man he was going to buy it from said, I'll give it to you freely. And he said, no, no, I'm going to pay. And I'm going to pay a lot for it because I will not offer what costs me nothing. My challenge for me and you is if we were to look through your financial records, where you're spending your money, where is your heart? Where is your heart? You see, because God gives us this ability of moving our affection by where we put our money. If I put my money into an investment account, my heart's affection is in that investment account. If I put my money into a house on earth, my heart is in that house. If I put my money into God's work, my heart is there. Even if it wasn't there before, I can move my heart and put it where it's supposed to be. And I just want to talk about memorials quickly. There's this idea of memorials in the Bible. So, first of all, let me talk about Jacob. And I'm not going to read all the verses. But in Genesis 28, Jacob is going along. He comes to a certain place. He sleeps on a stone. And he has a dream at night of, of a ladder going up to heaven. And he sees God. And God promises some amazing things to him. And says, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to multiply your descendants. And in the morning when he wakes up, he makes a memorial. He puts a pile of stones or a pillar of stones and he makes he pours some oil over it and he says this is a memorial to God many years later 30 years later Jacob is with his uncle Laban and he's slaving away and he's trying to earn the wives that the the daughters of Laban and he's working under a boss who doesn't treat him well and God says to him go back to that place where you dedicated to the Lord to Bethel that memorial, even though it was just a memorial in Jacob's mind, in God's mind, God says, you made a memorial that has actually connected heaven and eternity to this earth, and I'm going to bless you. And so Jacob goes back there, and 30 years later, Genesis 35, he's there again, and God speaks to him and says, your name will no longer be Jacob, it will be Israel, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to multiply you, and I'm going to help you. And Jacob says, everything I have, I'll give you a tenth, Lord. And there's a memorial set up where God's power breaks into Jacob's life, and where he might have just stayed with Laban, slaving in a job that he didn't like for the rest of his life, his destiny was changed because he had set up a memorial and God says, I will not forget that memorial. Something important there. You know, the number of people I've spoken to who said, when I was a kid, I went to Sunday school and I made a commitment to God and when I was 50 years old, God brought that back to my mind and I gave my life back to Him. Why? Because there's a memorial set up. God says, you make a memorial, it's not just an earthly thing. I remember it and I will honor it. 
When the Israelites are going over the Jordan into the promised land, God says to them, take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River and set them up on the other side as a memorial for your children. And when your children ask, why is this here? You tell them the power of the Lord. And the whole uh, generations of Israel are blessed because they set up a memorial and they pour oil and wine over it and they dedicate it to the Lord. And God says, this is a memorial forever. And there are many, many places in the Old Testament where memorials are set up. The Passover is a memorial. Even God's name and His word are called a memorial. The offerings that they give, the wave offerings, a a part of them are memorials. There's this principle that goes through the Old Testament. But then we get to the New Testament and it's powerful. So let me give you a few examples. Uh, John chapter 12, and it's in Mark and Matthew as well. It talks about Mary. Jesus is sitting at a dinner and Mary comes and takes an a, a alabaster jar with fragrant incense in it, which was worth a lot of money. It represented her, her treasure. And it says she broke it and she anointed, she poured it all over Jesus. And the other people there were indignant. The people with financial minds said, what? What a waste. Look at that. She's pouring away th- hundreds of thousands of pounds of money, just pouring it on Jesus. What is she doing? We could have fed the poor. We could have built buildings. We could have done things with this. Why is she doing this? And Jesus says, what she has done will be remembered as a memorial for all generations. There's something powerful in that. Where I'm not just looking at earthly things, I'm saying my focus and my heart and my attention is on heavenly things. And then Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. Peter gets a vision, told to go and preach to Cornelius. And Cornelius, who's not a believer, but he's a Gentile who wants to know God, an angel appears to him. You know what the angel says? Your gifts and your prayers have come up as a memorial. And therefore, I'm going to show you the gospel. Powerful stuff. One more story. Revelation chapter 5 and chapter 8. It talks about the angels in heaven. And they have golden censers or bowls. And they're full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And in Revelation 8 verse 4, it says the angels come up before the throne of God. And they offer this incense, the prayers of the saints, and it comes up before God. And then God fills the, the bowl with coals, fire from the throne of God. And they are hurled back down to earth as lightning and thunder and earthquakes. A memorial. There's power released. You see, friend, you and I sometimes think, oh, when I pray a prayer, is anyone listening? Is my prayer just going past the ceiling or is it just bouncing back to me when I give an offering what's the point is it just like giving to the Lions Club or the little charity down the road or the offering plate that goes around at work what's the point when I worship or or when I, I sing songs or praise what's the point and God says when you do it please hear me now with faith and hope and love. Actually, it's those three things. Faith, hope, and love. And I don't have time really to unpack it now. But if I do it with faith, in other words, I'm looking to God. I'm not just giving for the sake because some human has asked me. I'm giving with faith to God. When I do it with hope, when I'm looking to heaven and the power of heaven, and when I do it with love. Remember, Paul says, if I give my body as a sacrifice, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. I've got to do it with faith, hope, and love. But if I do those three things, it becomes a memorial. 
And suddenly, eternity, heaven, and earth here is tied together in something that I remember, but more importantly, God remembers. And he says, I will honor that memorial. There's something powerful about that. Just while I remember, sorry, there was a word of knowledge earlier that someone with lower back pain is going to get healed today. So if that's you, please come up after the service for prayer. So what are we talking about? Why are we talking about all this? Because once a year, we do a special gift day. I'm so grateful to everybody in this church. You guys give generously, and I'm so thankful for that. You offer money and your time and your resources in an amazing way. You're like David. You're just generous people. But once a year, we give people an opportunity, and today we're calling it a Memorial Day because it's us moving out of this place and we're going to our new place. Next week is our last service here. We're going to say in worship and prayer, thank you, thank you, God. Oh, sorry, there's a, another memorial that I didn't mention. Jesus said, remember 1 Corinthians 11, every time you eat and drink communion, you do this in remembrance of me. That's a memorial. So we're going to do that next week as well. We're going to worship. We're going to pray and praise God as if there's no tomorrow, as if there's no, no spectators, just God, because we're saying, God, thank you for blessing me so much, like David did. God, who am I that you would bless me so much? We're going to worship Him. We're going to take communion. We're going to remember, and we're tying a knot between heaven and earth, and we're going to give a special offering. If you don't have money to give, there's no pressure. But there are some of us here who are, God is saying to you today, this is your chance to plant a memorial that will bless you, that will bless the kingdom of God, but it will also bless your household. You know, Cornelius' whole household got saved because he gave gifts. You know, the Israelites, when they went into the promised land, it was for their children's benefit. When the Passover happened, God said, this will be a memorial for your children to remember. Our our memorials bless much, much more than us. And when we make a memorial next week, we're going to plant it in soil that is good soil. Can I just tell you that this leading lights thing, uh, one of our friends, Rob McFarlane, said to me, Greg, you're clever, but you're not that clever to have thought of this. And he's right. It's a God thing. I promise you, I'm completely aware, this is a God thing. To be able to reach plant churches in communities where there are no churches and where they have no chance of ever seeing a missionary but we can do it through the internet we've got the site log into it and, and have a look at it there is resources there that will help people become disciples and start churches in amazing parts of the world and it won't just start churches i promise you i've seen it in the past that affects families it affects eco economics it affects healthcare. It affects education. When a church gets established in a place, that whole society is transformed. This work that we've been given to do is the most amazing thing that I, it's beyond my wildest dreams. I feel like David. I say, Lord, who am I that you would give us the chance to do this? It is the best project that I've ever seen. And that's why I've invested everything of mine. I've got no money left. We put it into this because it's worth it. There is nothing more worth it. You know, we could spend all our money on nice things and earthly things and have a happy life. And at the end of time, it's like the Monopoly game. Have you ever played Monopoly? 
You know, you go in a little car, or maybe you're the little dog, or maybe you're the other little bit. Yay, Monopoly, and we get all excited and competitive. I'm going to build a, a house on whatever, Palmel or whatever that road is. And hey, look, I've got two hotels in a row. Every time you land there, I get the bucks. And we get our little money and we make a pile of money and the banker steals a little bit every now and again. And the game is all exciting and we get so into it. But at the end of the game, the little dog and the little car and the little money and the little houses and hotels get put in the box and it's gone. And I want to say to you, friend, especially if you've got money or resources, the Bible commands me to tell you, warn you to be generous. It's monopoly, this world. At the end of this world, it's all gone. It gets put in the box and it's, it's just a memory. But you can put treasure into something that lasts forever. Amen. Can I just tell you quickly what we, what we will use the money for? Um, okay, let me go from the top. The leading lights, the leading lights site and running costs and the, all the equipment and everything is paid for, but we employ extra people, more than a normal church of our size, size would. Our expenses are more than they should be because we're running leading lights, and it's about five grand a month. So that's 60,000 60, a year, which always in the past has been funded by extra gifts. So we get about eight or 9,000 a month in, in regular tithes and offerings. I'm so grateful to you guys for that. It's awesome. But then in the past, what happens is people give extra. They give more money, usually on special gift days, and that bumps us up to be able to do all the leading light stuff. So we're trying to raise 60 grand for that. The... Um, the launch service and the move to the new venue is going to cost us about 15 grand, 15,000 pounds. You say, why so much? Well, the main thing is we need a van to put all our equipment in. We won't have a storage room, so we're going to have to buy a van. I'll be honest with you, if we only raise 2,000, we'll get a 2,000 pound van. But we could spend up to 10 or 15,000 on a van if we could. And then there's all the banners and the the launch service paying for the food and the bouncy castle and all that. So we're reckoning about 15 grand. If, if people give to that, praise God, it will be used well for launching our new venue. If people don't, that's fine. We'll just, we won't do as many things as we were going to do. So there's our running costs for leading lights. There's the launch of the new service. And then uh, the last thing is just the opportunities to expand. You know, we've got this website and there's uh, ways on the internet where somebody searches for a term. Let's just say somebody types into Google, who is Jesus or how can I find a church or how can I start a church or um, how do I become a Christian? We can pay for advertising so that when they type that into Google, they come to our Leading Lights site. And it costs quite a lot of money. We haven't done it yet, but if we got extra money, we would do that and I guarantee we would get a lot of people finding Jesus through that. Um, there's also Facebook advertising and there's various things. We also have an opportunity to do TV advertising. It's 45 pounds for a, a 90 second advert, which is dirt cheap. Um, so if we got more money, we could just start putting more and more adverts and leading people to the site so they could find <laughs> Jesus. 
So all in all, you know, we, we've got quite a few needs, um, but I just want to tell you that we will use it well, and we'll use it for the, for the extension of the kingdom. So can we pray together? Thank you, Lord. God, who are we that you would bless us so much? Lord, that you would take our little house and make it into a household. That you would take our little lives and our, our gifts and our offerings and our abilities and use them to help people find Jesus and live forever. Who are we that you would use us, Lord? Who are we that you would put us in this time and this place in history where we can reach the ends of the earth? Who are we, Lord? Why have you done this, Lord? We don't understand. But like David, we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, I want to thank you for the way that you have worked in this wholehearted series in my life and many lives to help us to heal our hearts, Lord. But Lord, now we want to be wholehearted in giving and in worshiping. And we want to make a memorial. I pray that next week's service would be a significant service, Lord. And I pray that in the weeks following that, the outreach event, the conference, Lord, I pray that many, many, many people would come to know you through what we're doing in the month of July. That, Lord, when we move into our new venue, we would already be full. I pray, God, for multiplied people coming to know you in the weeks to come. And, God, I thank you for the generosity of my brothers and sisters in this church. And I pray you'd bless them significantly in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.